Hey, this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Simply trust and never doubt. It is the tagline for this series we are in, in which we entitled Stand. The scripture for this series is found in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. In this hour, it is imperative that we as the church stand. We can speak to the storm, we can declare things, but it also takes a portion of our energy to stand. I believe that prayer is a huge part of the coming awakening. I I also believe that there is a part that has to be played by the church that goes way beyond prayer. We have to stand in the face of evil. We must stand in the face of challenge upon every turn. Now, in this series, we talked about that we're going to be going through the lives of people in Scripture. And I know that you all know these stories. We've heard the stories. We've engaged in the stories. You've studied them. Many of you have even taught the stories. But I want to bring the story to you from the perspective of what did each character in the Bible stand upon? When were they called to stand? What were they called to stand against? And how did that turn out? So we we talked last week about Moses and the Israelites and how uh, Egypt was coming after them. And Terrence spoke about that this morning, that they had to stand when the enemy was coming upon them so that they could see the salvation of God in their midst. They had to stand. They had to stand in all of the turmoil of life. And this morning, I'm going to go to a story. You all know this story, but I want you to take notes this morning because there's some things that I believe God is going to reveal to you as you do this. And I know the youth are going to be challenged on that this week. And so as I give you some of these things that Daniel walked through, I want you to write them down because they will help you in your life. Turn with me to Daniel 6. Now, we know the beginning of Daniel. We know about the the fiery furnace. We know that stuff. You've heard about Daniel in the lion's den. That's where we're going this morning. And we're going to go to Daniel 6. But I want to lay the foundation for this passage. We get to chapter 6 in Daniel. And one of the things that we don't normally realize is we, sometimes, at least for me, is that I read scripture and I'm, I'm thinking about what I've always been taught about this scripture. And all of that sort of floods into my mind. And then maybe, just maybe, I miss what the background is because I'm so interested in what I already know about the story. Is anybody like that? Like you read the story and you're like, oh no, I know Daniel in the lion's den. I get it. There was a plot against him. I get it. I'm going to give you a background this morning about this. Daniel in chapter 6 is about 80 years old. He's 80 years old. That means for decades, he served in government for 65 years. He served in government for 65 years when chapter 6 is on the scene. He's actually held prominent office under four kings. Now, tell me, how many of you know, even in, in our day today, it's hard for someone as, as underneath a power that be to last through one leader, let alone four leaders. 
And as you read through scripture and you read through who he served, he served Nebuchadnezzar, he served Belshazzar, he served Darius, and he even served Cyrus. Four kings he walked through, four kings he served. He's 80 years old. I think at this point his track record speaks for itself. He was faithful. You do not go from one, from one uh, area to the next and just be absorbed into the next king's rule and keep the same spot king after king after king if there isn't some evidence that you've got some gifts and talents and you've been faithful to what's been said. So he served under the Babylonians and the Persians. And he was exalted through everything. He was exalted. So we think of Daniel in the beginning and he's eating all the green vegetables, right? But in chapter 6, he's 80 years old. There are so many people today that rule themselves out when they hit 65. They retire. It's time to refire. So Daniel's around 80 years old. He served in government office for 65 years. And I want to begin reading here in chapter 6. Because I believe today we will see what we're called to do as believers in 2021. It pleased Darius the king to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. The king is putting in place people that he trusts so that there is no loss in the kingdom. And one of those people that he trusts with the kingdom is Daniel. I'm standing before you today to say that God trusts you with his kingdom that it will not suffer loss under your watch. Verse 3. Then Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. There is an anointing that comes upon a believer when they stand where God has called them to stand and this anointing is the spirit of excellence. Now, the world would say that we are just doing things to get by because there's lots going on and we're busy, or the acronym for busy is burden under Satan's yoke. But there is something about doing things with excellence. There is something, I I know that you've all experienced this, maybe you've been in a job, maybe you've uh, been around your own home, and you've experienced life that isn't done with excellence. Doesn't it just sort of grate against you? Doesn't it sort of bother you when things are not done with excellence? It's like, they don't even care about me. I was in a conversation with uh, someone who's going into college, and and they were dealing with uh, a school, and there was a lack of reply from the school. And they were like, you know what? Do they really even want me to go here? Like, do they want me to be a part of this thing because they're not even engaging with me? They're not doing this. And, and it was brought to them and they're, they're working on that, I believe. But I believe that we have to do things with the spirit of excellence because that is the prerequisite for promotion in the kingdom of God. We see that after king, after king, after king, he served with excellence and it made a way for him. Let's continue reading in verse 3. It says, Because the spirit of excellence was in him, the king and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. Now, when you're elevated and you're doing things with excellence, there are people that will be sent out to pull you down. Now, I want to tell you this story. Last time we talked about eagles, today we're going to talk about monkeys. There was uh, an experiment that went on that, uh, that these scientists did, and it's called the five monkey experiment. The five monkey, I don't have a pretty picture of a monkey today, but um, 
These five monkeys were placed inside of a, a large cage. And in this cage, at the very top, they hung a bunch of bananas. And below the bananas, they had a ladder. And they released the monkeys into this cage. And the monkeys began to just be around. And then they noticed up above that there was some food. And so the first monkey started to go up the ladder. And as soon as he got up the ladder, the experimenter or the scientist shot that monkey with cold water as well, and knocked him off of the ladder and shot all the other four with cold water at the same time. Just doused them all with water. So they sort of paused for a while. And then another monkey decided the, the desire for that thing is so great, I'm going to risk it. And so it went up the ladder. And the second one, water, cold water, and water on all the rest of them. And so now they're beginning to learn. Now they're beginning to learn that if we go up the ladder and we try to get the sustenance at the top, that something bad is going to happen. So here's what the experimenters did. They pulled one monkey out and put a new monkey in. And it was very interesting that the new monkey learned very quickly that you don't go after the bananas because all the other ones tackled it, pulled it down and began to yank on it and pull it and pull it because they did not want to get sprayed with water. Okay? So the experimenters went further and they began to change out one monkey after another monkey after another monkey until there were five new monkeys in the, in the cage. There was no water sprayed after the first two times and after all the monkeys were out, none of them would go after the banana because they all fought against each other to keep them from getting sprayed and they were only sprayed a couple times. I believe that that is what's happened to the church. I believe that God has called us to speak great things into the atmosphere, to go do things, to overturn laws, to overturn things. And because we've been struck down once, because we've been struck down twice, that when you step out as a leader, when you step out and do things with excellence, there will be people that try to pull you down, even in the church, because they're afraid of man. The problem with stepping out is not about a fear of the consequence. The, the problem with stepping out is the fear of man and what things will look like. And I just come to tell you today that the church, when we don't stand, when we don't step out, when we don't do what God is calling us to do to see transformation in our world, it's actually allowing the spirit of Antichrist to come right in the front door and stop us from our voice in transformation. So in this experiment, all the monkeys, even if they were not in there when the spring was going on, had the mental understanding, had the understanding that this is not a good thing to go up there and try to get that. And I want to lay the foundation of that today because I want you to begin to think about your life as a kingdom ambassador. And the things that you stopped doing because of the fear of man and the things that you have thought about doing but didn't do and the things that maybe other people have done that you've criticized or ridiculed because of the consequences of the fear of man. It will shape who you are. So Daniel here is, he is exalted by the king. He has a spirit of excellence and he is ready to be promoted. He's ready to get more rulership And I love it because as we continue to read, you will find that he stands on excellence. Now, we can talk about the, the big things of excellence. We can talk about how people see the outward side of, of who we are, that the building is kept up. And if, we, if we're talking about the church, that the building is kept up, that, that, uh, that when we're out and about, that we represent the kingdom well. That we, that we are always a, an example to the world of who God is. And we do, if we don't do it with excellence, they get a bad picture of who God is. And when we do it with excellence, they see who he really is. But I want to drill deeper because the spirit of excellence is not something that is outward at first. The spirit of excellence is a heart thing. 
that happens way before the world sees what's going on on the outside. The spirit of excellence is something that God gives us that we can tap into so that the world sees a clear picture of who he is. And I truly believe that the spirit of excellence is the prerequisite for promotion in the kingdom. If you're doing things with excellence, it takes you a long way. So he, was, he distinguished himself, verse 3, above the governors and this excellent spirit that was in him. Verse 4, so the governors and satraps sought to find charges against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault. Can the world look at you today and find no charge or fault? I love this, that they couldn't find a fault in him, in, in the way that he acted. They couldn't find fault in him in the way that he conducted himself. They couldn't find fault in him. So guess where they had to turn? Keep reading there. They had to turn to his relationship with God because that's the only thing that they could attack. You see, the church for so long, you and me, we've made mistakes and thank God for the grace of God and the blood of the cross and all of those things. But oftentimes, as Terrence was talking about this morning with the chain, we give the enemy all the ammunition and the weapon to keep us from doing what God's called us to do. Everyone in this story is jealous of Daniel because he did things with excellence. The world should be looking at the church saying, how in the world did they get all that money and all those buildings and all the things that they need and how are they traveling all around the world to bring the gospel to the world? How are they doing all that? And they should be looking at it and saying, listen, I, I wanna know what's going on there because there's something going on there. And when they come and they ask, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about the spirit of excellence that comes through the Holy Spirit residing in us. So it says, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said this, highlight this in your Bible. We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. We're going to look everywhere. We're going to overturn his past relationships. We're going to overturn everything. And you know what? In the end, we overturned it all and we got nothing. So we got to go against his relationship with God. I find it interesting. We've got some friends who have, who have been born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit. They came from a challenging background. And as they began to start to walk in the Spirit, walk in the fruit of what God had for them, walk in prosperity, walk in healing and health and wholeness, that everyone around them from their background came to pull them down. And that's why doing life together in the church is so important. Because we are here to hold each other up, to, to lift each other up. And so that when a new believer comes in, maybe they're not plucked completely out of their past. It's our job to make sure that they are cared for and loved so that they can see the future that God has for them. Verse 6, so the governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, the satraps, the counselors, and the advisors have consulted together. Isn't that interesting? They had a purpose to derail excellence. They commiserated among themselves to derail what God wanted to do. And it says that they established a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Verse 8. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed. Their, their rules were, their, their laws were, that once a law was signed and sealed, that it could never be taken away. That it had to happen. And, and so the king is, is not using wisdom. And he's being swayed by the voices around him. And he signs this decree. It says it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which do not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now this is where I'm going to challenge you for the next few minutes. So... Make sure you listen clearly. 
hear what I'm saying and not what I'm not saying because it's, it's, yeah, it can be taken wrong and I don't want it to be taken wrong. I want you to hear my heart, but I also want you to know that God is calling us to stand in this hour. It is interesting that they conspired against him, against his walk with the Lord. That means that they understood that in the 80 years that he was walking with the Lord and he was serving other kings, that there was something different about him and that was the only way, that was the only difference. There was this thing that he had with God that was so different that they had to go after that thing. When you stand on what God is saying, People will look at every part of your life. I hope that we are standing in a way that the only thing that they can find is our walk with the Lord. So what happened? What happened in this story for the next 18 verses should change your life. Let's continue to read. Now when Daniel, verse 10, knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with the windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God, as was his custom since the early days. There was a decree written with a punishment that you will be thrown into the den of lions, which is sure death. And what did he do? He stood by kneeling. He stood by kneeling. He not only had convictions and principles, but he displayed them knowing the peril that would come to his life if he did. We have so many people today that are, that are talking and saying how the world is going to come against the church and you're going to lose your 501c3 and all of those things and this, all this fear and all this stuff going on. And our call is to stand. And to do what he says every single time. Now, I love that it says from the beginning, from his early days. He had built a, a routine. He had built a, a walk with God that was so clear that no matter what law came out, he was safe with God. Second Timothy 3.12 says this, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There's two words in there that bother me. All and will. They don't bother me as in bring fear upon me. They bother me because if I'm not in that, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. That's what bothers me. All those, all those who serve and live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. When other people are talking about God, we stand up. Oh, I don't know if you should say that. When people come against the church, we want to stand up and have our, have our fight and have our battle. But there's another subtle way that the enemy begins to work in us. And that is just with a little doubt here and a little doubt here and a little shot of cold water to stop us from going after what he wants us to do and we become complacent. And that's denial of Christ too. I'm more worried about the subtle apathy that is coming upon the church than I am about the big things. Because I believe it is more potent and more deadly to your soul. So what does he do? He, he stands by kneeling. He goes into his room and three times a day with the windows open, he declares. He doesn't change with the decree. He continues to walk with God in the same way. And he walks boldly with God, by the way. He says, I want the whole world to see what I'm doing. Now, I want to I take this story and I want to look at it maybe from a different perspective. Do you think that he could have went back, prayed, prayed in his room, shut the windows and done his, done his deed and nobody would have known? I think he probably could have. 
I think that he could have done that. He could have kept his walk with God and he could have just prayed and went out and done his business in in ruling the kingdom. And I believe that that's not how the story is written. It says that he threw open the windows, that he did exactly what he'd always done. It was public. We know it was public because they came after him for it. And, and we know that, but I think sometimes we as the church go back into our closet and shut the door, stand by kneeling in a private way, and the public never knows. Now, I'm not saying that we go into our prayer closet and nothing changes. I'm saying it's time for the church to stop worrying about who's elected and and what these rules are going to be and and how all this is going to happen and just stand. Just say, this is the line in which I will not cross. That's it. I'm not crossing this one. I will never vote for a person who believes that abortion is right. It's a line. I'm not doing it. I don't care if every candidate says that they believe in that, then I'll vote for myself. (laughs) Or I'll vote for Mike. But I'm not going to vote for somebody who believes in abortion because it's murder. It's murder. And there's a price to pay for all that. So they plotted against him, not for his conduct, but for his belief. They plotted against him, not for his conduct, but for his belief. We have so many people living in fear because they're afraid that their conduct is going to come under scrutiny. Let's just say, we made mistakes. It's over. We're moving on. We give the devil so much ammunition to stop us from our destiny. So three days, three times a day, he opens a window and he prays, right? Daniel did not have to do this. He didn't have to. Nobody's asking you to stand up. You don't have to stand up and say publicly that you're not going to vote for someone who believes in abortion. You don't have to say that. You can just go and do it. And then you can just not vote. And then you're part of the problem. Not the solution. The decree that was signed by King Darius said this. You cannot bow down to any other God or pray to any other God except me. Right there is a serious problem. He's just made himself into a God, whether he knew it or not. I think he was duped all the way along. But he did it, and in the decree, it names him as God. A big problem. For 30 days. Now verse 10, I'm going to read it one more time, and then I'm going to say something very strong. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God, as was his custom since the early days. This is a scripture, among others, which I won't go into today, that clearly state that there is a time for civil disobedience. When the government or any other entity is forcing you or trying to force you to do something that goes against the law of God. You have many examples in scripture in which civil disobedience is needed. Now Peter talks about this. We know that um, 1 Peter chapter 2, there's a whole section there about respecting government. Yes, we agree with that. Okay, but there's also in Acts 4 a time when they're pulled in front of the ruling elite and they're said, you have to stop preaching this this gospel thing. You have to stop doing it. You have to stop doing it. And he says, should I answer to you or should I answer to God? I'm choosing answering to God. So they disobeyed the command. Is your spirit of excellence that you have inside of you 
strong enough to stand even when the only thing you can stand on is the word. I can tell you it's not easy to stand on just the word when no one will stand with you. In fact, when others are trying to pull you down, you must stand. Now, there's two words that I want to highlight here. There's, there's a difference between obedience and submission. In 1 Peter 2, it talks about submitting yourself to the authority. But it doesn't say obey the authority. It says submit yourself to the authority. I find it very interesting that they went out and preached the gospel in Acts 4 anyway, and they were very punished. But you see, they submitted to the, the ruling authority, but they did not obey. You cannot force someone to submit. You can't force someone to submit. The scripture says submit yourselves one to another. You can't force somebody to submit to you. You can force somebody to obey. You can't force somebody to submit. And we have a whole problem that we try to get people to submit to things. We try to get, the, the country right now is trying to get people to submit and obey to everything. The only thing that you're called to obey is the word of God. But we're called to submit to authority. And I just want you to understand that this submission is a heart stance, just like the spirit of excellence is a heart stance. We respect, we submit. But sometimes when obedience or compliance goes against what the word says, can't do it. Sorry. We are commanded to submit to authority over us, but we are never commanded to disobey God in order to obey man. I, I'm speaking this out today. It's not what I want to say, to be honest with you. I want to have a rah-rah message and be like, yeah, Thursday was so good. The Lord gave me this because I believe it's going to equip us for what's coming. Acts 4.20, he says, we will obey God. Now, we are blessed. We are just so blessed to live in America. And I know there's people watching all over the world. We are blessed to be in this country. Because I have one vote of 300 and some million where I actually get to voice my opinion. Daniel didn't get to voice his opinion. What the king said happened. So in our country, we get to actually shape the laws, appoint people, remove people, and do all of that, at least at this point. So we're a step up from where he is. But it also comes with responsibility that we actually do something about it. That we stand on principle. That we stand on the word. That we stand on convictions. Even knowing the consequences. Daniel knew what the order was. He was a part of the leadership. He knew what was signed. And he knew the consequences. And yet he stood anyway. Verse 11. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before God. And they went before the king and ratted him out. <laughs> and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed the decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? Then the king answered and said, The, the thing is true. According to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter, 13. So they answered and said before the king that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due respect for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. That's interesting. He wasn't displeased with Daniel. He was displeased with himself. That he had been, yeah. And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. He was ready to go after and deliver Daniel from this horrible thing. And he labored until the going down of the sun to deliver him. He tried everything he could to deliver Daniel from the decree because Daniel had a spirit of excellence. And I'm sure that there were times in the reign of Darius where Daniel stood for him. 
Daniel did what was needed. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Even the ungodly will recognize you when you stand. They will understand that you're standing on something that they maybe don't understand, but that they know is real. 17. Then the stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of, his, of the Lord, of his Lord. Now, interesting here that that, that part is in Scripture because it wasn't just King Darius's seal. If it was just his seal, he could have came back at midnight, rolled the stone back, got him out, put it back, and sealed it again and said God delivered him. But every Lord put their seal on that. So it brings apart that there has to be a miracle involved because those other guys aren't letting him out. That the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Verse 18, Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No musicians were brought before him. Also, his sleep went from him. He was in turmoil. The ungodly king was in turmoil because of the godly representative that he had placed in a bad spot. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke to Daniel saying, in a lamenting voice, the guy's been crying all night. The guy's weirded out. He comes and he laments to Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, has, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Verse 21, then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. I think he probably just did it in a, O king, live forever. I'm in a good place. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. The world will consider how we've treated them when judgment comes. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den so Daniel was taken up out of the den with no injury, whatever was found on him, because he believed in his God. The world may feel alone. The world may feel frustrated. The world must feel love from us. The world must see excellence in us. The world must see devotion and boldness in us. For when the time of trial comes, they must see Christ in us. You see, many people today are praying that a revival would come to America. A revival is an individual thing. Reformation is what happens to governments. Revival is what happens to the individual. People are praying for revival, and I'm praying for revival. Yes, revival. Revive each of us. Get us fired back up. Put the, put the electrodes on us and, and shock us a little bit. It, get us ready to go. But the reformation that's coming to the government, the reformation that's coming to the school system, the reformation that's coming to the, to the mayor and to the township trustee, the reformation that is coming to this world is going to come through you. And I'm here to tell you that you must have a spirit of excellence when you step into that elected position. When you step into the role of being a teacher in a classroom, we need to stand up with the spirit of excellence and do things the right way so that when the world looks at us, when the, the temperature gets warmer, they will understand that they're looking at Christ in you and find hope. It is our right and responsibility to be the solution to our world's problems, not in addition to the problem being another problem. The world is not looking for a church that's crying about what's coming our way. They're looking for a church who's willing to stand and say it doesn't matter. We're standing on truth. We're standing on the word. We're standing on what God has said. 
You see, there's many things that need to happen in the church so that we begin to stand. We have to go in scripture, we have to look, and and where it says that homosexuality is an abomination, we have to stand. Where it says abortion is murder, where it says do not take the life of someone else, we have to stand. The things that we are not willing to preach about, many people are not willing to preach about, we have to preach about, and we have to stand, and we have to say that no more will this happen on our watch. Simply trust and never doubt. 48 years ago last month, Roe versus Wade was passed in the United States of America. And since then, 60 million lives have been taken. There's been lots of talk. There's been lots of things tried. There's been lots of discussions had. There's been lots of movements pushed, the the heartbeat bill, the things that try to stop it, all for it. But until the church begins to stand and say, we're not moving, we will shut our state down until this is done. It's not going to happen. Excellence is a characteristic that shifts the atmosphere where you reside. Excellence is a prerequisite for promotion. You see, we have to be the solution to the problem, which means when there's an office that is open for you to run, you need to run. Of course, if the Lord says to run. And if he doesn't say to run, and he shows you who should run, then you need to go have a coffee. And then support them when it gets hot. Support them when it gets hard. Support them when everything is pointed against them. And help them to stand. Your identity is what gives you the power to overcome the enemy and live in a spirit of excellence. If you weren't here or you're new to the summit, I want you to go back to the identity series that we started September 15th through November 24th of 2019. And I want you to listen to every single one of those sermons. Because without knowing who you are in Christ, you can't stand when looking at a decree. When you don't know who you are in Christ, you can't rest in the den relying on a supernatural experience because you'll try to do it in your own strength. And Daniel couldn't have existed in his own strength. It says right here that the angel of the Lord came and shut the mouths of the lion. It wasn't him. He could have tried something. So often we try things. We try to do it in our own strength. We, we hear the next thing and we try to just go fix it. We have to know who we are. We have to know what we will not settle for. What I'm tired of is we elect people who tell us what we want to hear, and then when they go to another city, they do what they want, and they settle. We have to be confident that when people do things or say things that it's going to happen. If you really understood what was inside of you, the world would pay more attention to who you are. If the church really understood what we carried, the world would be reflective and say, whoa, they got something going on. That's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for the church of Tuscarawas County. That's my prayer for the church in America, that we would walk boldly in understanding who we are we would begin to pay more attention to the spiritual world around us than the physical world that we often get caught up in. It would cause us to start believing for more and not settling for less, compromising. The saddest thing as a pastor, the saddest thing as your pastor is to have conversations with people who are believing that they are limited by their age, by what they see in the mirror, 
They feel they're limited by the scores that they got on their ACT. They believe they're limited by all the things in the physical realm around them. And I try, and we try as leaders to speak into you that you're more than a test score. You're more than what you see in the mirror. You are Christ on earth today through the Holy Spirit. And what we have to begin to do is stand and not compromise under any circumstance. I believe that 48 years ago, I wasn't here, but 48 years ago, I believe that if the church would have shut down the country and said, we're not going to work, we're not doing it until this is rectified, more than 30 million lives would have been saved. As I've been praying this week and talking with mentors and accountability people, I continue to cry out to the Lord and say, I don't want any of that on my watch. I don't want any of that on my watch. Help me to stand. Help me to stand in convictions of what the Word says. Help me to stand as Daniel did and do my walk with the Lord in public so that people know Help me to stand. We cannot allow the world to conform us to what they believe the church should be. We cannot allow the world to conform us to say how we should meet. You see, we get our rights from God. From our Creator. And we must stand for them because there's people that want to take them away. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, the fear of man brings a snare. When you walk into a situation, if you have a hesitation about speaking truth, you're in fear. You're in fear. And the fear of man brings a snare. You will not attain. You will be pulled off the ladder if you're in fear of man, you will be pulled off of reaching your destiny if you're in fear of man. We have to get a, to a place in our heart. We have to get a place in our, in our walk with the Lord. We have to get our place where we're out to please God more than we're out to please the world. We're out to please God more than we're out to please anyone else. Now this is strong. We have to get to a place where we are out to please God and if doing what God is calling us to do, if doing that ends up to be death for us, then so be it. To get an uncompromising attitude, we have to get to a place where God is more important to us than even our life itself. And in scripture it says we die daily. This is what it's talking about. That, that life in Christ is more important than natural life. Strong, I know, but fear will paralyze you from accepting the, the nomination. Fear will paralyze you from accepting the challenge of doing what God has called you to do in this earth. Mark 10, 29 to 31. says this so Jesus answered and said assuredly I say to you there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or land for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time it's not in heaven now when you take a stand one of those things that's read in there you'll have to walk away from because the gospel is true. Because the gospel is powerful. It says you will receive a hundredfold in this time. Now if you keep reading it says, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. That means persecutions in this life for the prosperity that you get in the hundredfold for standing for truth. 
It is imperative that as the church, we become harvesters of a world that is white for harvest. That we become laborers, not just seed sowers. That we become people who are willing to ask the tough questions and get into a conversation with someone we don't know to introduce them to Jesus and his love for them. That's our call. And you may have to leave some things to step into that call. Daniel had to leave his life. He had to sacrifice his life knowingly to bow down and pray to the Lord and continue his walk. He had to say, my life is not as important as this relationship. And there are some people today that need to walk away from relationships that are keeping you from your destiny in Christ. And it says, if you do that, you will receive a hundredfold. This persecution goes back to your prosperity that comes from the sacrifice. Now I want to throw this out there because this is my own life, but I think you can resonate with it. Is that sometimes the fear of persecution and the fear of man is subtle enough that we don't know it, but we make choices on behalf of it. And we walk into a conversation and we say, yeah, I'm not going to say that. Even though it's truth, even though the Lord said to say it, we don't say it because there's a fear underlying that we all need to get rid of. And you bump into it once in a while when you're about ready to walk into your destiny, you bump into the fear of man. And you can be silenced. When people are born again, they're born again into a new relationship with the Father in heaven. They're born again not just because someone prayed for them for 30 years, but that truth invaded their life. And if we are scared to share truth in any circumstance, it's because of fear. And God is saying, listen, we're walking together. I'm in you. I'm not in fear. So lay down fear, get rid of it, so that we can walk into the destiny that God's calling us. There was a survey a few years back, and in the survey they they surveyed believers in the United States, and they said, do you believe that the Bible has every answer to every challenge that is currently upon the earth. Do you believe that? And 90% of people said they believe that the Bible has every answer to every problem. That's awesome. And then they did a survey, the same people, they asked the second question. When you go to church on Sunday, when you are in relationship with other believers, how many of you hear biblical truth as an answer instead of man's wisdom and only 10% of the people said that they hear biblical truth coming forth that is a failure everyone that is a failure we need to speak truth no matter what it means we need to stand upon truth will you stand Will you stand when everything is crumbling around you, when you're in a dark hole with some scary things? Are you going to stand? Isaiah 6, 8 says, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Many are crying out to see this nation of the United States of America changed. And I, I am crying out for it too. I want to see, see revival, reformation, transformation, awakening. I believe in all of it. I'm praying for all of it. I'm interceding for it. I believe it. But I also believe that God is saying, where are you? You see, many people are crying out for the God of Daniel to come and rescue like Darius. The God, your God, he, did he rescue you? And I believe God is saying, where are the Daniels? Where are those who are willing to stand even in the harshest of times for truth and for me? You see, standing in the case of Daniel 
was not just standing upon what he knew. It was allowing the Holy Spirit, it was allowing God to flow through him to be an example for those around him. And there were some that were gravely mistaken. Verse 24, it says, And the king commanded, and they brought all of those men that had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions overpowered them, broke all their bones into pieces, before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote this, and I'll close. To all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. My challenge for you today is this. Are you standing in a way that the world would look at your conduct and your relationship with God and be able to say, I want that person's God to be ruler of my kingdom. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. The thing that changes is the person who is letting him out. Would you stand this morning? Now we believe that we are created equal and endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights. In this country, I want to read one last scripture for you. Psalm 121 says this, I, lift, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. If you're in the pit today, if you're struggling, if you feel like everything is crumbling around you, he doesn't sleep. I think it's interesting that the one with the burden for Daniel, the king with the burden for Daniel couldn't sleep. He wanted to go and rescue him. He couldn't, but God can rescue you. No matter what the circumstance. He couldn't do it, but God can do it. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going in, your coming, your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. He cares about you more than you would ever know and he's asking the church in this hour to stand like we've never stood before. But we have to have a spirit of excellence that will drive us, that will guide us, that will help us to make decisions that reflect who he is. So I want to declare, would you just hold your hands out this morning? I want to declare over this house that we will be a house of excellence. Father, today I speak over this Summit family and those watching. Lord, that we take this story, we don't make it a stained glass window, we personalize this story of Daniel in our own lives. Lord, help us to stand. Help us to walk with you no matter what the world says. Help us to have certain points in our lives. Lord, if, if people don't have that yet, Lord, convict people to stand for certain things where they will not move. And Lord, may the spirit of excellence rest on every person under the sound of my voice. 
May it shift how they deal with their laundry. May it shift how they deal with their car. May it shift how they deal with their job. May it shift how they deal with their walk with you. May it be a spirit of excellence that reigns so that as the world looks at the church globally, they will see your excellence in all of us. We thank you, Lord. Father, today we, we thank you for the signs, wonders, miracles, and transformations that have been happening here at the summit. Lord, I thank you that as the churches who came Thursday night, as they are worshiping right now, Lord, I pray that the fire from heaven would fall upon their service and that the seeds of transformation that were planted in their hearts this week would manifest today and throughout the next months in this region. Lord, we ask for revival. We ask for reformation. We ask for awakening. But Lord, mostly in our own hearts that we may walk with you. Even in harsh climates, may our heart be focused on you. Lord, as the world has declared that they're coming out of the closet, may the church come out of the closet and stand, stand, stand. We thank you, Lord. We give this day to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.